Welcome, friends, to another episode of Counting the Days with Al Senna. So I wanted to start today's episode off with a little thank you to everyone who's listened to the podcast over the last day. I'm certainly really excited to hear everyone's feedback. So far, it's positive. Can't really tell if they're just being nice uh, and feeding me a line of BS or if they're being really honest. But nevertheless, I'm really appreciative of all the feedback that I've been getting. The main the main reason for this is, is you know, obviously to, to get my thoughts out there. And then also, if I can help someone, great. That's really my, my main concern. Um, so I wanted to start today's episode off with just kind of giving you all a future state. So I see a plan for this podcast in the future to be something a little bit more than just our current state of a pandemic. Um, and so if you're following me on Spotify or if you're just uh, following the link that I sent out, um, I think it's probably best now that you try and find me on Spotify up until the point I can get things distributed to wherever else podcasts are distributed. Um, so uh, with that in mind, I've also changed you know, the title of the overall podcast. So I see this being something that I could do just beyond you know, what's happening currently uh, in our world. And hopefully as things normalize, it's something I can continue. So I've changed the name from just counting the days uh, to current with Al Senna. Um, and so uh, if you're searching me through Spotify or uh, Anchor, you can search current with Al Senna counting the days. Uh, and this will be just the, the counting the days will just be the section or I guess the, the topic uh, for this particular series, which I'm hoping uh, doesn't last too long. Uh, given the state of things. And so if you all want to take some time uh, to download Spotify um, and follow me there, that's where you get all the most recent updates and uh, episode downloads or streaming that you prefer. Um, and then as I can get more channels distributed, I will let you all know. Um, so just kind of start things off. Today is day two of this project. And Yesterday was an intense day, and I'll get into some of the details on why that is, but I thought we'd start off each episode uh, diving into the details. So today's day two, it's March 30th, and this episode will be titled Hitting Home. Um, so first off, just kind of jumping into the overall case count of COVID-19, um, as of today, um, and it's 12 uh, noon uh, Pacific Standard Time. Uh, there are 770,000 total confirmed uh, cases throughout the world. Uh, the U.S. is currently a leader in that at 156,000 fast, approaching 157,000. Um, and this is according to John Hopkins University uh, in Medicine. Uh, they have a really awesome website that you can go to. 
the Coronavirus Resource Center. Um, and I'll leave the link in the description so that way you guys can take a look at it uh, if you're interested. There are a couple of other resources that I do use. Uh, one is the Worldometer, um, and that is um, available online as well. And that gives you um, information regarding uh, the world's population, actually. Uh, it's worldometers.info, uh, but they also have uh, coronas, coronavirus details if you're interested. Um, and so their numbers tend to fluctuate a little bit differently. Um, I'm not sure the update timing or where the resources are, but they're all fairly similar. Um, and so right now they're at 775,000. That website's a little bit more detailed um, if you want to get into some nitty gritty when it comes to data in terms of total cases, total deaths, news sources, and things like that. But the fact of the matter is that this is uh, is really starting to explode uh, across uh, the United States specifically, uh, as well as the rest of the world for some of those of you who have been following. Um, and so, despite, you know, talking a little bit more and more about what we're experiencing in the pandemic, uh, the pandemic, I wanted to talk about the structure of how I feel like this is probably best presented. Um, and so every, at least during this, this series, uh, there'll be a structure to everything. Uh, and I'll start off with some spotlight articles, things that really jumped out to me uh, over the last day, uh, and then followed by the three topics that this podcast is sent around. Uh, and that's living in the pandemic, raising kids in the pandemic, and then loving in the pandemic. Uh, and then I'll finish th- uh, things off uh, with a section on preparedness. A lot of you are asking about what are the things that I could do to help prepare myself, prepare my family, um, and then also kind of my own personal stories around that. And then obviously I want to end uh, the, the episodes off on something um, positive. Uh, so, you know, again, I just wanted to reiterate, this isn't something that is in a fancy studio. You probably all can hear the crows uh, calling in the background. It's just a way for me to get my thoughts out and make sure that everyone has some resource for themselves uh, and that we're able to be a little bit more intentional with our thoughts uh, during this time. So to kick it off into in today's uh, day's episode, we already talked about the caseload from John Hopkins, uh, but there are two spotlight articles that I want to touch on. Uh, one is something that I think that everyone has been feeling, whether they're aware of it or not. For me, it's something that I noticed over the course of the last week or so, and that I'm just lethargic. I'm tired. I'm uncomfortable. And I'm not really too sure what it's all about. But uh, kudos to my wife for uh, bringing this to my attention. But it's a form of grief. Um, So what I had an opportunity to do is take a look online and see what I could find around what I was feeling. And the article that I came up with is titled, That Discomfort You're Feeling is Grief. Uh, and it's written by Scott uh, Bernato uh, out of the Harvard Business Review. I'll include the link in the description so you can take a look at it. Um, but some of the main takeaways there's is grief and the stages of grief that people go through. But what I thought was really interesting was um, 
that we are feeling more than one kind of grief. Uh, and it's talking about anticipatory grief. And so I want to read a quick little um, a section out of the article, um, and hopefully it'll it'll point you in the direction you read the rest of the article because it's really interesting and it, it really sheds some lights on or sheds some light onto the way people are feeling. I think for a majority of us, especially for those of us who are isolating, for those of us who are doing our job to to prevent the spread. And so, um, here's a little excerpt of the article, and it says, "Yes, we're also feeling anticipatory grief." Anticipatory grief is that feeling we get about what the future holds when we're uncertain. Usually it centers on death. We feel it when someone gets a dire diagnosis or when we have the normal thought that we'll lose a parent someday. Anticipatory grief is also more broadly imagined futures where there's a storm coming. There's something bad out there. With a virus, this kind of grief is so confusing for people. Our primitive mind knows something bad is happening, but you can't see it. This breaks our sense of safety. We're feeling that loss of safety. I don't think we've collectively lost our sense of general safety like this. Individually or as smaller groups, people have felt this, but altogether, this is new. We are grieving on a micro and a macro level. And so I'd really encourage everyone to kind of to dive into this article because it just sheds some light onto, onto potentially how a lot of people are feeling. I know I... I read this article resonated with me and uh, it kind of gave me the opportunity to uh, be more intentional around my thought about how I was feeling, to acknowledge those feelings, to cut myself some slack um, and to try and, you know, combat those things head on. Uh, so again, that's uh, the article is titled That Discomfort You're Feeling is Grief by Scott Bernardo from the Harvard Business Review. Link is in the description. The second one is something that resonates with me quite a bit, uh, given the fact that I have a six-month-old during the pandemic, and that's a challenging thought just in itself. But um, for those of you who've been paying attention, New York obviously is the epicenter in the United States, but there are a bunch of other hot zones, uh, hot spots that are popping up throughout the United States, and one of them is Illinois, specifically Chicago. Um, so yesterday, uh, March 29th, um, there's an article in the Chicago Tribune talking about um, the loss of an infant. And so the article is Illinois Governor J.B. Prinsker announces 13 more deaths linked to the coronavirus, including the stunning loss of an infant. Uh, this is written by Stacy St. Clair and Cecilia Reyes, and I'll include the link in the description. But... I think a common misconception that a lot of people have is that this virus is prejudice um, towards, you know, older individuals with comorbidities. And that's certainly something that is true, uh, at least from what a majority of the data is showing. Uh, But I think it's, I think it's clear, or I think it's important to mention that the virus can infect anyone, um, including the young. For someone who has a six-month-old, this is incredibly terrifying, and it really makes you want to do all that you can to protect uh, your little ones. Uh, uh, and that's obviously how a lot of people feel, even 
you know, regardless of age, people want to protect each other's families and things like that. But, you know, this is a, is a pretty stunning loss. And, you know, I wanted to, to touch on a section of the article so that way everyone can kind of feel the gravity of the situation. Um, and so diving in, it says the child whose medical history was not released lived in Chicago and is believed to be the youngest person in the United States whose death has been linked to the coronavirus. The baby was nine months old. Dr. Allison Ardway, head of the Chicago Department of Public Health, said on Sunday. Um, the article goes on to talk about um, some of the reaction uh, from public health officials and the governor. Um, but I think the one thing that I want to take away from this is that you know, it's a helpless nine-month-old, and chances are, uh, again, this is speculation on my part, but chances are the reason for their, for them being infected is is not on their own doing. It's probably because they came in contact and they were exposed to someone who had it. Um, and I don't think we'll ever know the details in terms of why or how it targeted this particular individual. But nevertheless, one thing that we can do. Uh, is stay home and isolate and this is a lot bigger than our own personal interests and you know going out and visiting with friends I miss my friends I'm an introvert uh, by nature I would prefer not to hang out with people but even even now I'm missing my friends and uh, I think it's really important that we we think about people aside from ourselves um, especially the young ones the next generation and kind of what they'll be moving into and obviously my heart goes out uh, to the family of this little one because I cannot imagine there's nothing worse than that feeling um, I don't ever want to experience it and my heart just pours out to those those parents of that little one and uh, I hope they get all the support that they could possibly get uh, because it's much needed in this time and it's unprecedented obviously but it's a it's a terrible thing um, so my ask is that everyone does their due diligence and stays home um, so those are the spotlight articles uh, don't want to start things off you know too grim but uh, it's important to bring those things to light it's important for people to understand that you know, aside from the main headlines, which I think people are starting to to adjust to the sticker shock, um, there's some geese flying over my house. Um, as people start to get used to the sticker shock of these headlines, I think it's important to highlight some of these headlines that that kind of fly under the radar because those are the rea- That's the reality of the world. Um, okay, so moving on to. Uh, the next uh, the next topic, um, and that's living in the pandemic for me. What my experience is, uh, top of mind today is uh, Amazon and the delivery services like Instacart uh, for groceries and things like that. And some of the, what are the things to consider? And so, you know, Amazon today uh, they're having a bunch of workers in New York, um, you know, be express some frustration around the working conditions and things like that. And I don't know the details by any means, it's just something that's starting to develop. 
but it, it makes sense. You know, we have people that are working their tails off to provide us whatever the hell we're ordering online. Um, you know, and risking risking their lives really. You know, they're being around people uh, and they're constantly traveling to and from places. I don't know what safety precautions they have set in place, but from what my understanding is, is that people are being impacted, people are being infected, and it is being spread throughout these environments that they work in. Um, the same thing with the grocery uh, delivery service, Instacart. It sounds like there's a lot of questions around how people are protecting themselves when they are trying to fulfill orders. And so, what I'm starting to think about is how can I help preserve the need for that? So the first thing that we've done as a family is uh, we're not, we're trying to order from Amazon as little as we possibly can. And what that's allowed us to do is that has allowed us to think about things a lot more intentionally, how to preserve the things that we have. Uh, when's the last time you, you cut open the back end of a toothpaste tube to actually scrape out the toothpaste that's, that's left over? Um, I personally can say that I've never done that, uh, but it's something that we plan on doing because uh, we're in a world right now where waste is just something that we can't afford. Um, and so, you know, instead of ordering more and more and more just to fulfill the needs, let's start utilizing what we have. And I know for a lot of people who have accumulated a lot of things, uh, if they're so lucky to, uh, a lot of that stuff goes to waste. And so, that's something that I'm, I'm trying to be more cognizant of right now is as I live through this pandemic, what are the ways that I could benefit people who are still working uh, and providing services for people? Uh, and so uh, something that I just ask you all to consider, what do we actually need from a delivery service? What do we actually need so that's so crucial that we can't have it uh, later on and so just kind of keep that in perspective um, obviously if there are things that you can't get delivered um, then do uh, this might not be a popular uh, approach to ordering things but uh, we've no longer started ordering things from Amazon that aren't Amazon Prime that aren't delivered from Amazon and that are specifically around third-party sellers third-party sellers uh they're small businesses sure and i'd love to be able to support them um unfortunately i gotta do my due diligence and i gotta try and trust uh, uh, from those who are shipping things to me so it's just something to consider i'm not saying everyone is out there is bad who is a third-party seller by any means a lot of them are probably better than amazon themselves um but uh something someone has more resources um, and has a little bit more responsibility I'm going to kind of take my chances on uh, but nevertheless trying to navigate away from those delivery services as much as possible uh, if you have any questions on that or if you have any questions on our approach to groceries uh, feel free uh, to email me a question or a thought uh, my email address will be in the description uh, and I'll try and address that next episode um, so raising kids, the second topic of this podcast, uh, raising kids in a pandemic. Um, this one will continue to be challenging. I know there's a lot of people that 
are currently doing everything they can. I saw a really awesome viral video of a father um, doing a a, uh, a dinner party uh, with his children um, in the UK, and it was a, a, a really fancy dinner where he dressed up as a uh, as a waiter in a tuxedo and was pouring, you know, really fine milk and having his son try it and. Uh, it was really cool, really fun way to, you know, engage the children and make a make light of something that's, you know, a lot more intense than it probably needs to be. But what that brings me to is, you know, how are we balancing childhood and responsibility against one another? And this is something that I've been challenged with over the last day or so is understanding that my son is four. Obviously, still needs his childhood, and that's really important. And I would argue that that's probably more important now than anything else. Uh, the future is uncertain. Uh, we have a, a high amount of pressure to continue to educate him, and we will. Uh, but what's that balance? Is there a balance to where it's so regimented that it causes frustration for him? Is there a balance where it's too much play is causing, uh, you know, to develop bad behavior? And I don't know the answer to that. Uh, if anyone has any suggestions, obviously be open to them. But one of the things that we're working on during this time is setting a structure for him that he owns, that he follows on his own, that he helps create, uh, and incorporating uh, things like education, things like play, things like imaginary play, things like reading, uh, and just try and foster this you know, well-balanced situation because he doesn't have his peers like he had at one point. He doesn't have the outlets that he had at one point. You know, there's hesitation to to go to the playground because we don't know who's been there, when they've been there. Um, and it takes a lot of work. And I think one of the things that we'll continue to focus on is how to try and help him own what is slated and so uh just want to put that out there uh, if anyone has any thoughts or recommendations what they're doing with their kids who are fast approaching school age or are school aged uh i'd love to hear those thoughts and and those recommendations because we sure as hell could use some of the help ourselves um and the last last part i want to talk about is love um so this being the third section of our of our podcast is you know ways to support our partner uh, for some of you you might be isolated and quarantined together and that's either a good thing or a bad thing depending on how you look at it but um, I know speaking from my own personal experience my wife works at a hospital today is her first day back after about a week or so of illness um, and she's going into an environment that is completely changed from her normal atmosphere. And so speaking with her, you know, she's describing people taking temperatures at the door and, you know, things being very regimented and, and detailed in terms of plans and actions and, you know, normal entrances are blocked off. And, you know, it's obvious that people are thinking about how to do this. And this is going to be different for everyone. But for, for me, this is her her experience working in the hospital and you know I'm going through this experience now unemployed 
and being the sole provider for childcare in the house. And just that alone is a lot of pressure. Um, and I have a lot of stress around that, but with her going to work, she still has the stress that she has at work or at home. And then she's adding what she has onto work as well. And so, um, for those of you who have, um, a partner, a spouse that is working during this time, you know, I think it's, I think it's important for us to figure out ways, uh, that we can support our partners. So even if that's little things as, you know, getting coffee ready to go in the morning or, you know, taking that extra shift when it comes to, to baby duty or, uh, making sure there are clean clothes or a hot meal, um, or, you know, even little things like charging their phone, um, just any way that you can do what you can to help support them during this time, I'm sure it will be beneficial. Um, because that's what we're going to need. We need each other. Um, this is coming from an introvert who six months ago could have told you that I could have lived on the side of a mountain and not have said a word to anyone for the better part of a year and be totally fine. But when push comes to shove, it's very obvious that we need each other, especially those who are, who are low, who are in committed to each other so uh that's a challenge of mine is you know just figure out a way that you can do that personally what i'm going to be focusing on is how i can ease the transition for my wife as she comes home from work that's a chaotic time that's getting close to to night time for the for the kids and it's dinner time and it's you know how do i try and make that as smooth as possible because she's going to be tired she's going to be emotionally drained uh, what are the things that I can do to kind of smooth those waters? Um, it's going to be a challenge, no doubt, but it's worth it. Um, so if you're in that similar situation, uh, I'd encourage you to, to try and figure out a way to make that happen. So for the new structure, the last thing, there's two things that I'm going to leave you all with. One is my preparedness, the things that I'm doing right now uh, that are top of mind. Now, mind you, I've been preparing for the better part of a month and a half or so. So there's probably some things that I have done that maybe some of you aren't doing or haven't done yet. And so um, if there is enough interest, you can shoot me an email asking what I've done and I might be able to try and get you up to speed. But from here on, I'm just going to start talking about things that I'm thinking about top of mind as I'm already as we're already into this uh, scenario. And so just to kind of kick things off. There are two things that I'm thinking of. One is a garden. It's springtime. I'm probably already late in terms of uh, planning a lot of things. But luckily for me, it's been raining for the last two or three days. Um, I had an opportunity to get a little garden going on the side yard. And um, I got, I'm going to be honest, seeds are something that are going to be hard to come by. Uh, we're already starting to see people kind of panic by seeds but be creative think about things that you do have if you have produce now that you feel like you can yank some seeds out of do it and do it now um, start developing some land so that way you can get any produce because my thought process is that produce is going to be hard to come by we're already starting to see reports of farmers feeling real real stretched and then also compromised um, in terms of how things are going so i want to make sure that everyone's fully aware of that um if you can, get a garden going um, and do it now uh, because it's going to take some time. There's going to be some some learning moments and how to get to that point, um, some trial and error, uh, but get a garden going. 
The other thing is alternative thinking. This should apply to pretty much everything that you can think of. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to think of, okay, what are my needs? What are most people going to be thinking of? And is there an alternative? So a good example of that is when this thing first started, people rushed to get hand soap. Everyone wanted their liquid hand soap. Um, and so I'll give a good example. I went to the local I went to the local store to see you know what was left of hand soap, and the shelves were bare. And so in my thought process, I thought there's got to be an alternative. And hand soap that's a bar soap. Um, and so I turned the corner, went to the bar soap section, and sure enough, the the shelves were full. The shelves were full of antibacterial hand soap in a bar form. Um, and so it's one of the things that when I talk about alternative thinking, what are the things that we've used in the past that provide some sort of convenience? Is there something that's a little bit rudimentary or a little bit less convenient that we can start taking advantage of? Um, and that's a great example. One of the things that I'm starting to think of right now is baby wipes. Baby wipes are consistently starting to run out. Um, and so it's okay, well, I can take my chances to go to store to store, um, but I'm starting to call stores, asking for when they're getting deliveries in. What are their estimations? Do they have any thoughts around this and trying to plan trips around that? And then also providing a contingency. So if I can't get to Costco and get the wipes that I think are coming on a certain day, what's my contingency? And so, you know, that's wet washcloths. It's a, a, a tub of water uh, for certain type of accidents. But uh, it's just these things, trying to figure out a way to have an alternative and a contingency. And so from a preparedness standpoint, those are the things that I'm thinking of plan a garden and try and think of alternative ways to do what you're currently doing or what you've done in the past uh, throughout your daily life and try and find something that will set you up for future state. Uh, There's a funny joke about toilet paper. Um, We bought some toilet paper. Everyone bought toilet paper. Um, I'm certainly trying to buy as little as possible, but about three months ago, I saw an ad on Instagram for a bidet, a really inexpensive bidet, and I suggested it to my wife, and she laughed at me, but man, that would really be coming in handy right now um, if we had that bidet, Um, so that's something to think about. They're still out there. Uh, I think they're less than $200, Um, so look it up uh, online. I'm sure that's something that you could probably find a way to help yourself out with. Uh, so with all that being said, the final little, the final thought I want to leave you with is a, a segment that I'll be calling, ah, that's better. This is a little bit of positivity as we get through it all. And um, it's something that I actually yanked from the governor of New York, uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo. And I, we talked to, I heard him talk about this yesterday and I thought it was really... it just resonated with me. I thought it was an amazing quote. Um, And it was in regards to how he felt about the first responders, the essential personnel that are in the hospitals. And if you're paying attention that are dying, there are way too many people that are dying that are trying to help save lives. And so 
when you're trying to find words, uh, this is something that he highlighted, and he highlighted it in his current situation from Franklin uh, from FDR, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Uh, and the quote is, "Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear." So I'll read that again. Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear. Um, yeah, it's it's perfect for what's going on right now, and we're all a little bit afraid, we're all a little bit scared, but there are people out there that are willing to do something more important than look here in its face and bow down so um with that being said i just want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen um please uh take a look at the articles that i sent out um and then also email me any questions or thoughts don't forget to follow me on spotify for now i will make sure to uh to update as much as i can uh for the next episode i'm going to try and see if i can get uh my sister um to do an interview with me um, for a little bit of background, she was uh, in Europe, not but four weeks ago, three weeks ago, and uh, through some of our news following and information that we were keeping up on, we were able to get her out of Europe before things got really bad, including Spain. So I'm hoping she'll do an interview with us, her experience during uh, the outbreak in Europe, and uh, maybe that'll be a good listen too. So uh, with all that being said, much love.